Section five of Tales of the Uneasy by Violet Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Lisa Reichert. The Memoir. Did women in society ever speak to other women when a man dear to them both was concerned? Had such an outrageous course ever been pursued since the days when Kriemhild spoke to Gudrun in the midst of the Rhine stream? Little Lady Greenwell pondered this time after time, day after day, as she sat dressed in her ineffectual Paris best, alone, in crowds, in sunlight gardens, lamp-lit ballrooms, unlit boudoirs arranged for cosy gossiping teas. She never talked gossip, but she listened to it. A great deal of it covertly was about herself, or rather about her husband. That was one of the reasons why she felt that she ought to speak, speak kindly, seriously, effectively. She fully meant to tell Cynthia what it was her duty to tell her, but she could not make up her mind to take the first plunge into unconventionality. So she sat about through a whole season, watching Sir Hilary's social triumphs, she herself never triumphed, and arranged her speech, carefully composing it beforehand, rehearsing it, canvassing the relative claims of diplomacy and frankness, fullness and brevity, emotion or matter-of-fact. What arguments should she use, and which let go? Which, having regard to the character of Cynthia Shaney's, would be likely to affect that volatile lady most? Should she plead her own years the more, or her own looks the less? Should she take high and moral grounds? Should she put forward the young widow's personal expediency? It all depended on what form of admonishment Cynthia would take best. Lady Greenwell was honest enough to admit to herself that she proposed to lecture Cynthia, as much for her own good as Cynthia's. Truly she felt that it would be a difficult thing to keep self out of it, or as much in the background as possible. "'Just you let my man alone!' That was what Kate of Wapping would have said to Peg of Limehouse, and no more ado. But could Lady Greenwell of Highfields, Hungerford, and fifty, Carlton House Terrace, so bluntly declare herself to the Honourable Mrs. Shaney's of Portland Place? Did well-bred women do these things? It seemed at once so absurdly simple, just as you might ask someone to take his foot off your dress, and no offence, and at the same time, so appallingly impossible a thing to do. Women in society were not supposed to show when they were annoyed, ask for explanations, or to act straight. How they suffered in consequence of these absurd fetishes of conduct they set up, women alone knew. Moreover, such a subject, even if it were fairly and squarely discussed between two exceptional women, would represent the merely primitive appeal of the one to the other's generosity. And generosity, though permissible in Wapping or Limehouse, is not the thing in Mayfair or Portland Place. Yet some women were really and truly generous at heart. Cynthia was, she was sure. Had it not been for the presence between them of this male bone of contention, Sir Hilary, Lady Greenwell would have been quite fond of Cynthia Shaney's. She did not dislike her, even now, when Cynthia was making her so uncomfortable, and she admired her sincerely, her frocks and her style. Hilary did, and she could not help following suit in this as in all else. 
and naturally cynthia could not help liking hilary and his open attentions who could help liking hilary and complying with him when he chose to flirt and he always did choose he was a born flirt and he was eight years younger than his wife wives who were burdened with odious supernumerary years must of course give their man a little rope and mabel greenwell gave hers a good deal hilary greenwell was a traveller who came home and wrote books about it he danced and dashed through a season and then packed up and went to risk his life on some inaccessible mountain or other of course when he came back brown as a berry and with sheaves of notes and measurements he was the rage and women simply clawed him for their parties and adored him for their boudoirs cynthia Shaney's was no exception to the rule though a widow she was little more than a girl and looked a mere child at the parties she gave in her big house so hilary would say you always expected to see the dolls set up and find pips in the orange-juice soup and have to mumble the pretend biscuit joint childlike she knew no measure in her appreciation of the handsome traveller returned and people were saying now that she was making a fool of herself and that lady greenwell didn't like it they were wrong there lady greenwell wasn't jealous at all she was sure of hilary and would not have insulted him by display of vulgar jealousy the effect of the scandal on her only amounted to discomfort great discomfort she might say and even annoyance and a few wet pillowed nights loyally concealed from hilary she was neither young nor beautiful it behoved her to be clever she could she knew keep his love though she was unable to restrain those loose tendrils of his fancy which waved airily to and fro catching here and there temporarily on the fair upstanding flowers that bloomed every year in the great parterre of london's garden of seasonal delights hilary loved her and her only she must do nothing foolish whatever she felt whatever she said to cynthia shaney's must be a secret for sir hilary a matter between cynthia and herself some women fools thought little lady greenwell would have rushed at once to their husbands with an appeal or a command to put a stop to it at once thus definitely estranging the coveted man without affecting the issue in the desired way no it rested with her and her alone to convince cynthia of the awkwardness of the situation created by cynthia's careless compliance with the fancies of the irresponsible hilary a situation merely irksome to his wife but positively injurious to his wife's friend great interests on either hand were not concerned no one's heart was in it punctuality was lady greenwell's virtue consequently her husband's too she sat on the sofa at the creswicks fan in hand handkerchief in lap the man who was going to take her in stood over her chair uttering the usual commonplaces when the door opened to admit one single smiling lady cynthia shaney's late as usual wearing the cluster of flowers she always wore and that every one attributed to sir hilary's devotion lady greenwell happened to know that mrs shaney's ordered them at the florist's for herself but how could she tell people that she saw what of course other people saw 
Cynthia's careless, delicately possessive glance at Sir Hilary, a glance that effectually singled him out, as it were, from a group of like-patterned men, clustered about the fireplace. So stupid of Cynthia. Nothing else, of course. Lady Greenwell knew, as well as if she had been told, that Betty Creswick would send the two in together. Suppose she spoke to Betty Creswick and asked her not to join the tacit conspiracy that prevails in well-regulated, pleasure-loving society, to give the woman, whenever it is possible, to the man she is supposed to want? Never. She would die sooner, for society would resent such an anti-social proposal and protect its own joys and convenience. It must go on, although it was making her miserable. Would this wretched season never come to an end? Not that she need expect to find any intermission of her troubles even then, for there would come visits, country housing, up and down the length and breadth of England and Scotland, the three would be asked constantly to meet each other. She had been so nice to Cynthia that people all thought that Lady Greenwell had accepted it. There would be no rest for her till the late autumn, when Sir Hilary had agreed to go with a party of men on an expedition to locate a continent somewhere. He would be away for four months. As a loving wife, she ought to have dreaded this approaching separation. She was shocked to realize that in her heart of hearts she was looking forward to it. She would not see the light of his countenance, but then neither would the other. Jealousy makes sad dogs in the manger of us all. And she would have the delight of his frequent letters. That is, unless he wrote to Cynthia, too. If only she had a child. Cynthia had one. Cynthia, a widow, with no husband now to bind faster to her side therewith. What a pity it all was. Dinner was announced. Sir Hilary gave Cynthia his arm, with a certain look, proud, protecting, sheepish, rather. Yes, she must speak. She placed her hand lightly on the sleeve of she knew not whom, and followed Hilary and Cynthia into the dining-room. She was miserable. She was sure that Hilary, had he but known how unhappy she was making herself, would have tried at once to alter his line of conduct. And he would have failed, of that too, she was sure. Man can do nothing in this line of himself alone, save by the grace of the woman who is leading him astray. It was settled. She must speak to Cynthia. Cynthia Shaney's, who was not lacking in perception, realized at once the meaning of the innocently diplomatic, intensely special glance which Lady Greenwell, placed exactly opposite, fixed upon her as soon as everybody was seated. "'Mabel Greenwell means to speak to me.' She could harbour no other thought from the fish onward. She was a nervous, lazy woman, and the fear of a woman's row was intensely repugnant to her. She hated fuss about men, and bad form, and unconventionality of any kind. Her affair with Sir Hilary, whatever it might mean to her, was openly, at least, quite within the bounds of her world's convention, and she deeply resented any attempt on Lady Greenwell's part to draw it out of its limbo of self-chosen vagueness. To herself she was willing to admit that she loved Sir Hilary very well, nay, desperately, she was less willing to admit that she suffered over this illicit attachment, and yet did suffer a good deal, for she was a good woman, and Lady Greenwell a healthy woman, so the chances were she would never get him honestly. 
she knew sir hilary loved her was fond of mabel and respected them both that being the case he would not do either of them a wrong for the whole world there it was what an impasse three scrupulously honourable people caught in a net no issue but death and she could not contemplate even mabel's death with equanimity mabel had been very kind to her and she and mabel would have been the greatest friends if sir hilary had not stood between them though she pitied mabel for her age her plainness she could not help feeling a little angry with mabel for having presumed to marry sir hilary she should not have allowed hilary to persuade her that she was a suitable wife for him hilary was so plausible once however having committed the initial error mabel should not have hoped to keep him except by courtesy she knew sir hilary well enough not to feel obliged to talk to him so she plodded imperturbably through the menu eating a good deal to justify her taciturnity oh i am so hungry she said once or twice i have been down to brighton to-day to see the boy sir hilary never worried he quietly looked after her gave her her own way now as ever she was heedless he safeguarded her reputation as well as he could he never wrote to her when he was away she would have forgotten to destroy his letters he called on her not too often he dined with her now and then generally with his wife there was no need to compromise her by overt acts of this sort the mad bad sympathetic world was kind enough to cater for the indulgence of their affection in all the ragouts of society where they skilfully combined and discreet opportunities of meeting served up to them daily with the result that every one was happy and amused except lady greenwell who had been born and bred in the country and never could acquire london's cynical tone once or twice however before this evening cynthia had suspected some such strata of unsuspected bourgeois feeling in mabel she almost wished betty creswick would not be so kind to hilary and herself and a little kinder to mabel she sometimes even avoided dull parties where she knew he was going not so sir hilary he had no scruples of this kind he adored her he told her so and as there's nothing wrong about it all why shouldn't we see as much of each other as people will let us ah but other people an ellipsis for mabel whom it pleased her to mention to him as little as possible but he understood in his breezy butterfly way mabel's all right mabel's a good sort and understands me she isn't such a fool as to trouble about gossip he never said more it was tacitly assumed between them that mabel was awfully fond of him and all that but demonstrations would simply bore her you know meanwhile he loved cynthia with every fibre of his being all save the domestic ones it was understood she was his egeria his goddess his good angel the woman he thought of last thing at night and the first thing on waking in the jungle on the veldt on the frozen himalayan slope he was hers hers only no one else cared not even mabel who had settled down cynthia shanies hardly realized it but this passion had come to be her life she breathed and dressed but for hilary she was a cold woman and content with its platonic manifestations but she technically regretted the immense waste exemplified in the position of the lover tied for all his days to two women neither of whom was or could be everything to him 
she caught mabel's eye now and again full of timid reticences and prudent punctilios but expressing over and above all others the simple emotion that betrayeth itself in speech i must speak or bust the poor woman fancied mabel saying and shivered over her chocolate mousse the moment came sir hilary left soon after dinner to attend an ethnological society's meeting and lady greenwell timidly offered to motor mrs cheney's home for some fateful reason or other that lady's brougham was not forthcoming it is frightfully out of your way mabel argued the trapped fly gently but firmly the spider informed her that a mere difference of a mile and a quarter did not in the least constitute out of the wayness and the hostess settled it by her vague encouragements so nice of you to chaperone each other like that mrs cheney's hardly grasped the significance of lady creswick's remark until the knees of lady greenwell and herself were safely stowed under the same bearskin rug i wanted to speak to you cynthia began lady greenwell honestly without preface or pretence did you replied the other shrinking as far away from her companion as she could into the corner of the motor then collecting herself she said you can you know it is a little difficult for me but then i must remember it is for your good cynthia oh for my good exclaimed mrs cheney's stung by the familiar too familiar exordium you must remember i am not a mere girl i am a widow that is just it continued lady greenwell delighted a young and with a gulp pretty widow oh don't mention it the other begged her flippantly though her tone grated on and disturbed lady greenwell that lady continued almost apologetically that is the right way to take it dear not seriously just a little hint you know laugh about it as much as you like when i'm done but listen to me for a minute could you not contrive dear to see a little less of hilary my husband i know he's your husband mabel well enough mrs cheney's jerked off crossly and i don't see so much of him as all that oh i know dear i know all about your friendship your intimacy it's nothing at all nothing at all only you see people will talk yes bother them we mustn't pay too much attention to gossip of course but we owe it to ourselves to take some notice of what is said you may want to marry again never oh don't say that pleaded the other pitifully you are sure to so young and pretty but don't you think that meantime that people should couple your name and hilary's is prejudicial rather to you of course i know what that there's nothing at all serious between you nothing at all hilary she blurted out the indecent fact hilary is devoted to me and always has been he has never swerved for the fraction of an instant besides he would not would not what oh cynthia you do make it so difficult you seem so stony you aren't offended no of course not i only wanted to know what it was that hilary wouldn't do her careless use of the beloved's name hurt lady greenwell a good deal she drew herself up would not allow himself to make love to another woman during his wife's lifetime you may as well take that for granted only he is younger than i and heedless and you are most attractive while i am a plain woman well dressed 
and the world thinks of course the usual thing oh cynthia help me and it would not matter of course if it were not for you and your reputation though i can't deny that it makes me very uncomfortable to hear him lightly spoken of what do you want me to do about it i said what see less of him see him only at my house will you give him your orders then not to call at mine dear cynthia how could i do that what do you think of me i think you are like all women want to get someone else to pull the chestnuts out of the fire for you why should i do your dirty work and it would not do either i couldn't forbid him my house without creating remark and doing exactly what you don't want done getting him talked about nor can i go and tell betty creswick not to send us in to dinner together of course you can't tell her but there are methods and i refuse to employ them and let all the world think i am doing it because i have a guilty conscience or because you have been making a scene you don't want that surely no she shuddered then it has been no use my speaking practically and cynthia you can have no idea what it has cost me i am truly sorry but indeed dear this sort of carriage lecture never does any good you can't have straight talks to women no woman can employ another woman to help keep her husband for her it really isn't done keep my husband but have i not been telling you cynthia all this time that if i thought for one moment that my husband had been unfaithful to me in word or thought or deed i would not have spoken to anybody at all about it i would just have died it is precisely because i do believe in him then it makes it quite simple go on believing in him you may replied the other woman dryly as the carriage stopped at the door of her own house good night mabel thank you for the lift and are you cross cynthia believe me i meant well you meant well by yourself eh dear just realize that you were speaking for yourself oh cynthia you are cruel yes but honest think it over let it all be as if it hadn't been shall i kiss you she paused with a light foot on the step yes please you know i am really fond of you cynthia but you seem to have beaten me oh no asseverated mrs Shaneys. only convinced you that these sort of things can't be done they kissed i had doubts about the wisdom of it at the time murmured lady greenwell i thought you might say it was tactless hilary says i have no tact never mind you are sure he loves you and that's better than tact that's everything mrs Shaneys was shaking out her skirts on the pavement pulling out her latch-key so that's all right there's an end of it yes and come to dinner to-morrow night will you yes dear good night two hands met and clasped over the window bar of the carriage lady greenwell watched her friend in and whirled away mrs Shaneys rushed impulsively upstairs to her room and threw herself on her bed in an agony of weeping they were tears both for herself and mabel it was a year later mrs Shaneys, in modified mourning for she had made herself as black as she dared rang for admittance at the door of greenwell house the very house seemed in mourning it used to be furnished exotically with variegated hangings and things hilary had brought back from abroad cynthia shivered she had been sent for why 
why did mabel greenwell want to see her the cords of their friendship had been sensibly loosened it was perhaps as well they mourned in their separate corners of london she was ushered into the presence of a little woman whose deep official weeds seemed almost to obliterate her slight frame and make her fade into the surrounding blackness she rushed at and clung to her handsome visitor and kissed her mournfully and deliberately on both cheeks dear dear cynthia how good of you to come to me dearest mabel how good of you to be willing to see me oh i wanted you somehow so much i believe when all is said and done cynthia i am fonder of you than i am of any one mrs chenies winced and suffered herself to be kissed again on both cheeks she looked extremely handsome in her glowing purples and blues the widow's inexpressive eyes were merely dimmed and bleared by her tears those of cynthia chenies shone and she was not so silly as to redden the lids by dabbing them with a handkerchief as lady greenwell did he was so fond of you cynthia he has left you to me as a sort of legacy we often spoke of you cynthia started it had surely been a tacit convention between herself and the dead hilary that yes i ventured at last to tell him about that talk i had with you once and he took it just as you did he laughed at me and said that i had no right to worry you with that sort of thing and that you are perfectly justified in being short with me as you were cynthia you know he thought it very nice of you to forgive me and go on seeing us as usual yes but i saw very little of him alone after that he went away soon after didn't he that was perhaps a good thing it gave one time i don't think you had any need to tell him oh my dear what could it matter there was such perfect confidence between us and i preferred that a trifling incident like that should not be allowed to interfere with it surely you don't mind not now replied cynthia chenies with an effort and i suppose you had a perfect right to do as you liked about it that's all right then and hilary said dear thing when he left me to go on that wretched expedition that killed him that i was to be as nice to you as i could and see as much of you as you would allow me to do and so i have and so i mean to don't don't cry so dear oh do let me cry it helps me and how can i help it when i think of the dearest husband ever woman had lost to me gone gone killed out there alone among horrid savages why cynthia you are crying too i can't help it either said the other savagely disdaining to wipe her tears away cynthia you were fond of him too now don't say you were not i was lady greenwell rose she looked taller she looked grim and that is the reason i thought i made up my mind that you were the proper person to consult about this this asked the other following the direction of those sad sunken eyes yes it was his last wish cynthia lady greenwell pointed to a large bulging packet lying with a magnificent despatch box close to her elbow and continued in her thin nervous passionate voice you know when he got ill over there it came on so gradually he never ceased writing to me till the very last 
he got his secretary to send home the manuscript of his new book to me he wanted me to see to the publication of it i was to edit it if he never came back to do it himself and i was to ask you to be co-editress good god oh don't be frightened dear there's nothing to do it is all done i did it only as he said you were to see it before it came out i could not but prepare to carry out his dear wishes and now i must tell you as he is gone i should like to call it memorials of a noble soul something like that and add some of his letters to me i have them all here in this despatch box i never destroyed a single line of dear darling hillary's they will make a most interesting book murmured mrs chenies looking away yes won't they only of course lady greenwell breathed softly with a watery smile of triumph they will want some editing they are too intimate too personal for the ear of the general public it could not be otherwise but still i don't think the public should lose because he was in love with his wife do you no certainly not there is a great deal in them of purely general interest of course but it still wants weeding of lovers phrases and endearments and so on so i thought the best plan would be for me to read them all aloud to you and consult you as to what to be left in or struck out cynthia shaney's groaned aloud lady greenwell smiled she had gained confidence cynthia dear how like you you were always afraid of hard work and there is nothing nothing bores you so much as listening hilary noticed that these brilliant women he used to say let's have the letters ejaculated mrs chenies bluffly she adjusted a cushion or two behind her shoulders i have learnt how to listen lately let's have tea first certainly lady greenwell rang the bell tea was brought the hostess dispensed it then with many a reminiscent pause and sob and dab of the handkerchief lady greenwell opened the despatch box and produced letters tied up in blue hilary's favourite colour it was the colour of cynthia's eyes she fidgeted in her place and lady greenwell offered her another cushion because this will all take time i'll read the first that comes the widow of hilary declared when they had both settled down i am not afraid of your knowing cynthia how fond he was of me this one begins he generally begins so dear little woman we can leave that out if you like you can't it shows character observed mrs chenies sombrely go on thus encouraged lady greenwell read shyly at first but with gathering confidence as the map of her husband's affections unrolled itself under her faltering tongue she read faster the session was going to last interminably the letters were good but long very vivid most interesting mrs chenies remarked now and again drumming with her foot and with her face turned away it is really rather too intimate lady greenwell blurted listen to this darling my darling i can scarcely bear to read it all night i lie and toss on my uncomfortable rugs and think think of you darling and your soft breast you might put cheek there instead of breast if you liked interposed the co-editress hastily lady greenwell looked up very well she used a little pencil at her girdle 
Then she resumed, And I realize how the thought of one sweet woman at home can be at once the joy and the torture of the traveller, for I don't know if it is most sweet or most bitter, this remembrance of happier hours in altered circumstances. It is joy, but then sometimes the agony of separation is too keen to bear. Oh, that he should feel it so. I'll go on, Cynthia, if you don't feel too much bored. I stretch out my hands. I look for you, for your warm, kind arms. You certainly will have to strike all those rhapsodies out, Mrs. Shaney's remarked coldly. He must have been very ill then. Are the letters all like that? If so, they won't make a book of very general interest. Ah! Lady Greenwell exclaimed. She was tossing over the letters feverishly. They seem to have got mixed. This is one of the English series, written from the Creswick's place. That must have been sent the summer before he went, for that's the only time he ever went to Betty Creswick's alone. It was the very week I spoke to you, Cynthia. I wish you would not keep on bringing that in, interposed Cynthia Shaney's irritably. You were quite right. I was quite wrong. I see that well enough now. Go on. We are both dining out tonight, I suppose. Not I, said Lady Greenwell haughtily. I shall never dine out again. She read on a little to herself. He didn't like being there without me a bit, she murmured. In fact, he loathed it. Why didn't you go with him, then? asked Mrs. Shaney, though she knew well enough. She had been one of the Creswick party, and the letter explaining Mabel's reasons for defection had been read aloud to her. But Lady Greenwell couldn't know that. Oh, I got a bad chill at the very last moment, and had to wire I couldn't go. Cynthia, shall I read this letter? Of course, it's part of his life, I suppose. My own little brown bird, read Lady Greenwell softly. I was so grieved to leave you, tucked up in bed, a darkened room, and with only a hired nurse to hold your little hot hand. Here I may say I am not enjoying myself a bit, and yet we are a very gay party and everything jolly, but I can't get any fun out of it without you to talk it over with me after we've gone to bed at four in the morning. Dear little woman, why did you make me go alone? The Creswick menage is a bit noisy for your quiet, sober husband. One gets a little tired of the society of brilliant women. They flash and coruscate and finally weary. I can't help thinking of a certain still, small, brown bird at home, sitting on the bough and waiting for me. Oh, Cynthia, I do believe here is something actually about you. He mentions you by name. I'm the brilliant woman that wearies, am I not? Well, let us hear what he says about me. Shall I? I've read them all a hundred times, but I don't quite remember. So if it annoys you, mind, it is your own fault. Here goes. The Cynthia of the minute is really a little overpowering. She seems quite to enjoy saying risque things and compromising herself. I really don't think I ought to read this to you, Cynthia. Read it, or I shall snatch it out of your hands. Well, you are sure you won't mind? Poor little Cynthia. She is astonishingly indiscreet, but she means no harm. She is a dear, nice, ordinary, simple woman, pretending to be a sad rake, but as good as gold, really. As good as gold, really. 
"'Well, isn't that nice for him to say that? "'Nice, dear boy. "'He always did go straight to the heart of the matter, didn't he? "'He was, as a matter of fact, awfully fond of you, "'and this just shows it. "'He knew you through and through, though. "'What's the matter?' "'Give me some hot water to drink,' gasped Mrs. Shaney's. "'Is this your revenge, Mabel?' "'Dear Cynthia, aren't you well? "'You do use such odd, stagey words. "'Revenge? "'I am your friend and always will be. "'My husband wanted us to be friends.' "'Well, then, do let us keep friends,' said Mrs. Shaney's, "'drinking her scalding hot water hastily and rising. "'I must go. "'An early dinner for the theatre. "'Tommy Vavasor.' "'But what about the letters? "'I've only read two. "'Of course you must leave that out about me,' said Cynthia, speaking very fast, and knotting her fur round her neck, as if she wanted to throttle herself, and all personalities about people still living, and you must not print names. But as for the rest, I should give the letters in their entirety. Go ahead, there's my advice to you. You can hurt no one, and your collaborator gives you carte blanche. She escaped. She preserved no memory of the passage from Lady Greenwell's dull drawing-room to the gaslit street outside. She bitterly resented the dead man's view of her innocent attempts at disillusioning him on the only occasion they had met previously to his departure and after his wife's lecture, and she would have given her best jewel to discover whether Mabel's quite thorough revenge had been carefully planned or not. She married young Lord Vavasor within the year, and contrived, without exciting any suspicion, never again to be alone in the same room with the widowed Lady Greenwell again. And she longed, as she had never longed for anything else, to hear of Lady Greenwell's remarriage. End of section 5